Hello there, this is Patrick Mayo. Thank you for joining our... So I just want to do a short teaching on assurance and maintenance of salvation. All of the things that I've, I've been able to encounter as a Christian and even as a, somebody who is, who is evangelistic, somebody who shares the gospel with people, is that many people who are saved are not fully assured of their salvation. But at the same time, other many people are reluctant to give their lives to Jesus because they're not sure if they'll be able to maintain it. Especially you can imagine uh, if you get saved when you're in your 20s or maybe even in your teens. Like I, for example, I got saved when I was about 19. So that means if I was to die at the age of 90, it means I would have been a Christian for 71 years. How do I know that in 71 years I'll still walk faithfully with Jesus? I'll still be faithful to him? And I'll be able to enter heaven uh, having known that I lived for him and that I merited, <laughs> very interesting term there, to enter heaven. And this is a short teaching I just want to do on that uh, and to clear up on that. You know, recently there have been, uh, has been some controversy about uh, a, a famous Christian. And some famous Christians in the last few years, some of them who have renounced their faith, others who have had scandals and controversies. And maybe you're a Christian who is watching and you're like, what's the point if such a big, famous, well-known Christian fell, uh, if they got caught up in controversy or if they finished badly? Depending, you know, again, at the end of the day, depend, finishing badly depends on, it can be subjective. It can be, they finish badly based on your point of view or mine. But obviously the most important thing is what God says about it. Um, so somebody might think, like, what's the use, you know? Why, why be a Christian if there's all this controversy? If it seems like it doesn't seem to work. <laughs> and um, this is the reason why I want to do this teaching today. And I'll read a psalm, Psalm 121. And this is what it says, a song of the degrees or a song of the ascents. So from Psalm 121 to Psalm 127, I believe, uh, all of the psalms are written... The, the title is A Song of Degrees. Actually, it's, it's to a Psalm 134. And these are psalms which are sung by the Jewish people, uh, specifically uh, those who are coming from the ten tribes. Because, uh, you know, Jerusalem was the center where the tribe of Judah was, with majority of the Levites. So all the other tribes would go to Jerusalem to gather at four feasts, four of the major feasts, Passover, the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, uh, Feast of Trumpets, forgetting the other uh, festival or feast. And as they would go to Jerusalem, if you can look up a photo of Israel today, you'd see that Jerusalem is surrounded by seven mountains. And the temple was built on Mount Moriah, uh, which actually is known as Mount Zion. That's why the name for Jerusalem is Zion, Sion in, in, in Hebrew. So as they would go up to this mountain, they would be singing these songs. So they are going up, Right? So it's called a song of the degrees because they, they are slanted to a certain degree going up to Jerusalem or a song of the ascents. So why am I saying all this? These are psalms which are taking us up higher, <laughs> amen, to another plane, to another level in God and in Jesus Christ. And I'll read it as, it's, as, it's, as, it, as it is, Psalm 121. I'll read it from the King James Version, the Authorized Version. Maybe you, you use another version. I like the King James. It's very poetic. It's such a good translation. He says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. 
Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shed upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. So the psalmist begins by saying, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does his help come from? He says his help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Now you often understand something, my friend. I've just read the 120 watts, or the 121st Psalm which is in the Old Testament. But Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 tells me something that is so good. And that's why the gospel is good news. That in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, everything gets better. So if it was this good in the Old Covenant, imagine what we have now based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8 6 says that we are in a better covenant established upon better promises. So the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hill. But watch this. I don't need to lift up my eyes to the hill. I, look, I need to look at he who is inside me. Because the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Watch this. The Father walks in me and he dwells in me. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Colossians 1.27 Ephesians 3.17 Christ dwells in my heart by faith. Colossians 1.27 Christ is in me the hope of glory. 1 Corinthians 3.16, 6.19 say the same thing. My body is a temple of God. His spirit dwells within me. Now, what is the qualification for this? Just be saved, be born again. This is not a, something that is based. This is not a promise for a special class of Christians. People who have been praying and fasting and all doing all these things. The only qualification is that you are born again. The Father walks in you, He dwells in you. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside you. So that's why I can boldly say, I don't need to look up into the hills. It's much better. I look at he who is inside me. Amen. I really believe as Christians, if we focused on what the Bible says who we are, and not what is happening out there, our focus would be right, and we would not get caught up in a lot of problems. Right now there's a current ongoing controversy about a certain man of God, and many people are saying many things. But I'll tell you something. Stop looking at the winds and the waves. Those are winds, those are waves. Trials and tribulations. If you focus on your eyes on Jesus, you know it says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that therefore seeing we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. There's a translation which actually says, seeing that there is a stadium full of spectators who have gone ahead of us. I like that one. It says, let us run this race with patience. My friend, salvation is a journey. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. This is not the Usain Bolt kind of journey. This is the Eliud Kipchoge kind of journey. And if you, if as, a, if as a sprinter your focus was on, will I make it 40 kilometers from now? You would not make it. So the sprinter, the, 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 marathon, the person who is running has to be able to focus on the next 100 meters. And that's the reason why many people do not believe they can sustain their salvation. is because they are focusing on what will be 50 years from now. Stop focusing on what will be 50 years from now. Focus on what you have now. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 34, Jesus said, verses 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things shall be added unto you. Then he says, take no thought for your life. Very interesting. Then verse 34 he says, Take no thought about tomorrow. Tomorrow shall take care of itself. Today has enough of its problems. If you focus on what you're going to be, forget about 50 years from now. Like I, maybe I have 60 years to go. 
60 years from now I'll be in my 80s. Maybe I have 60 more years to go. If I focus on what I'll be or where I'll be 60 years from now, it's going to cause me a lot of worry. But if I focus on today, notice, not even tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not the month of March 2021, not 2022, just today. That's why Paul says, this one thing I do, Philippians 3.14, I forget the things which are behind and I reach unto the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So there's a prize. And the prize will get will get there if we focus on today. Don't focus on tomorrow. It's not it's not it's not of your business what happens tomorrow. And we'll get into that in a moment. So as I was saying, the Father is in you, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's why I can boldly say, first John chapter four, verse four. It says, You have overcome them. Notice you have already overcome, not you will overcome. You have already overcome them. Who? The context there is speaking about the spirit of the Antichrist. It's speaking about the devil. It's speaking about the first John. The context is about seducing spirits. Because what do seducing spirits do? They are trying to seduce you out of God's will, out of God's plan for your life, out of your salvation. In fact, the Apostle John says that they went out. Many people had left the faith. And he said they went out from us because they were not for us of us. For if they had been of us, they doubt, doubtless they would have remained with us. Then it says that. You have of God little children and you have overcome them. Every seducing spirit, every mentality, every religion, every uh, wave from the world, there's a lot of secularism that is uh, obviously trying its, the, its best to enter into the church. And many people are wondering, will I be able to make it? Yes, you have already overcome them, child of God, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't care if it's Satan himself, Lucifer. He's, we have already overcome. Why? Because greater is he who is within than he who is without. Amen. So that's the first thing. We're in a better covenant established upon better promises. If the psalmist could look unto the hills, how much more me who can look to God who is working on the inside? <laughs> I love this. They were climbing up the steps to Jerusalem to go to the temple. In the new covenant he says, my body is his temple. So, the one who will maintain your salvation is Jesus. He says, he will not suffer your foot to be moved. Verse 3, Psalm 121, verse 3. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Then he says, the Lord is your keeper. He is your shed upon your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you, not to, to preserve. To preserve means to keep secure, to keep from harm, to keep from contamination. Like the way you would preserve food inside a fridge so that it doesn't get spoiled after a few days. So long as it's in the fridge, it can stay for long. So in this case, who preserves you? Notice the word preservation has nothing to do with you. And that is a problem. Many Christians are thinking that it is their responsibility to preserve their salvation. I want to present to you the idea and the fact that you have nothing to do with the longevity and the maintenance of your salvation. It is Jesus let me just go back to Hebrews chapter 12, seeing that we have a great high, sorry, seeing that we have a great uh, company of witnesses, those who have gone before us. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily besets us. He says, let us run with patience. What does it mean, patience? Don't focus on tomorrow. Don't focus on a week from now, a month from now, a decade from now, a hundred years from now. Focus on today. Amen? 
He says, let us run with patience. Looking unto who? Jesus. Why? Because he is the author and the finisher. The Greek word there is a, he is the initiator and the perfecter of your faith. So that word finisher is actually the Greek word. It means it's finished. Do you imagine? Think about this, my friend. The race which you are running, <laughs> you've begun from the finish line. Because the one who began it has already finished it. So how can I fail? How can I fall? Now the problem is you start telling me, okay, I know you're saying that, but I know such and such a Christian. I know such and such a minister. In fact, he used to preach and he finished badly. Guess what? Tell me what the word of God is saying. Unless you're telling me your experience or somebody's experience is above the word of God, then we are having a different kind of conversation. But if you believe that the word of God is true, he said in Numbers 23 verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. You see, the problem with the Israelites in the wilderness was they put more faith in the words of the ten spies than in God's word. And notice, they said, we, will not, we cannot enter the promised land. They are full of giants. Notice the two, guy, Joshua, two guys, Joshua and Caleb, who say that we will enter in. Guess what? They entered into the promised land. Also, salvation is salvation is a picture of you have been rescued from Egypt, which is a world, from the hand of Pharaoh, who is a devil. You are going through this wilderness, which is a world, and you are entering the promised land, which is heaven. But watch this. The Bible says, He that assists from his own works, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, has entered his rest. Watch this. I am not entering rest when I enter heaven. I have already entered into his rest now. Because it says, he who has ceased from his own work, from his own ability to keep himself, has entered into his own rest. Let me read that verse in Hebrews chapter 4. And by the way, the context again of Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, he's talking about the children of Israel when they were moving from, from the wilderness uh, into the promised land, from Egypt into the promised land. And it says, their carcasses fell into the desert. And the number one problem God had with it, them, excuse me, was not immorality, not idolatry, not sexual sin. The number one problem is not even complaining. The Bible says they could not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. Unbelief happens when you put your experience or somebody's experience above the word of God. Right now, there are so many Christians, so many, I'm tempted to say, so many so-called Christian websites who are magnifying the fall of a certain minister. And they are putting a spirit of fear into many Christians. It would do you well, child of God, to spend more time looking at the promises that God has for you in his word. That he is the author and the finisher. He is the initiator and the perfecter. He is the one who began it. He will finish it. So if I am to fall, the blame is on Jesus. And has Jesus ever failed? No. He cannot fail. Joshua and Caleb said, said we will enter into the promised land. Guess what? They did. 40 years later, Caleb was 85, Joshua was 80 years old, but surely they did. So life and death is in the power of your tongue. Spend more time talking about what God has promised you in his word than talking about somebody, other, another Christian's fall from grace. Do you understand what I'm talking about? The, 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 the emphasis here is on your perception, your vision. What are you focusing on? He is the author. He says, look to Jesus. Let your eyes be fixed on Jesus. Not other Christians. Ministers can fail you. Pastors can fail you. Fellow Christians can fail you. But Jesus can never fail you. So he says, looking unto Jesus. You remember when, when Peter was on the boat with the 12 disciples? 
and they saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if that is you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And he started to walk on water. But the Bible says, when he started to look at the wind and the waves, what happens? He began to sink. And he cried, Master, help me. And Jesus lifted him up. And Jesus said, why did you doubt your little faith? So the moment your faith starts to wane, it's because you've taken your gaze out from Jesus, who is the author. Not any pastor, not anybody. It is Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith. I think of Billy Graham. When Billy Graham got born again at the age of 15 in the meeting, in a camp meeting led by an evangelist, a Baptist evangelist called Mordecai Ham. When Billy Graham got saved, there was a woman next to him. She was crying. People were crying and Billy Graham was asking himself, I'm not crying. I'm not emotional. He was even questioning his salvation. He was like, am I even saved? Because there was no emotion. But guess what? He became the greatest soul winner the world has ever seen. And from the age of 15 to the age of 58, 99, he lived a beautiful Christian life without any controversy. 84 years a beautiful Christian. Kenneth Hagin was born again at the age of 15. He died at the age of 86. 71 years as a Christian. And he walked. You know what was their secret? Smith Wigglesworth was born again at the age of 8. He died at the age of 87. 79 years a Christian. Full of fire full of fire for God. Why? Because their eyes were fixed on Jesus, not other Christians. Many Christians fell. In fact, Billy Graham's best friend was a man called Charles Templeton. They were fellow evangelists who became an agnostic and later a famous atheist. But Billy Graham continued to walk with God. It did not change him because his focus was on Jesus. Many people fell. Many evangelists that, that Kenneth Hagin began with, many of them finished badly. But Kenneth Hagin's focus was on Jesus. So my friend, Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. Listen to what Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 1.6. He says, being confident. You know what it means to be confident? Fully assured. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work, who? God, who has begun a good work in, it, in you, shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I wish we spent more time focusing on these texts instead of focusing on other people's experiences. Notice not what the Bible says. Let me read you another one. Let me quote it. First Timothy chapter, sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, Now the God of peace sanctify you holy. That word sanctify is the Greek word hagios, which means to set you apart or to make you holy. It says, And I pray God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus. And then he says, Faithful is he who has called you, who is who he who will also do it. So the one who called you, he is faithful, he will do it. What will he do? He will preserve you blameless as holy unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read you Jude chapter 1. The book of Jude chapter 1 says, um, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Look at this. And to present you faultless before the presence of his joy with exceeding joy. Sorry, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. So, child of God, look to Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of your faith, not other people's experiences. And I don't know why there is an emphasis on other people's failures, rather than what Jesus said, that he began the work. Enter his rest. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. It says, For which we who are believed, what is it mean? does it mean to believe? I've just accepted what his word says. I'm not going to look at somebody's experience. I'm not going to look at my past. 
I'm not going to focus on the future. I am believing what the word of God says. That I am confident. He who has begun a good work in me shall perform it until the day of Christ. He says, we who do believe have entered into his rest. Then verses 9 it says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Many people are saved but they have not entered into God's rest. They are constantly wondering, have I committed the unpardonable sin? Will I make it? Will I stay pure? I, 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 let me get saved when I'm on my deathbed. Meanwhile, you can die at any moment. Because that's how the devil makes it. You know, you will die when you're in your late 70s or 80s. No one knows the day or the hour. So my friend, you can get saved like Catherine Kuhlman got saved when she was 14. And when she went to heaven at the age of 68, she was more on fire for Jesus. Focus on such stories. They build your faith. Amen. Because it is Jesus who began it. He will finish it. The blame is on him. But guess what? He has never failed anyone. He is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Praise God. So the reason why many people are struggling, they are wondering, will I make it? It's because, so let me tell you something. If your Christianity is based on me, 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 will I, will I, can I, can I, the pressure will be on you. But if the focus is on Jesus, he will do it. He will provide. He will keep me. He will preserve me. He will anoint me. Guess what? The pressure becomes on him. And that's why Jesus so beautifully said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will, who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Because I'm meek and lowly in heart. He says, you shall find rest unto your souls. When you die, no, he says, now. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Christianity becomes a burden, it's because of religious thinking. It's because of trying to play God's part. You are not God, my friend. Leave it to him. He will keep you. He will preserve you. Amen. And, and that's what I just wanted to talk about briefly today. That he who began the good work in you, he will perform it. Look at what he says in John. There are so many promises. I mean, I love them. Look at John chapter 6. Look at what he says, verse 39. And this is the Father's will, who has sent me, that all which he has given to me, of all that he has given to me, I will lose nothing, but I will raise it up again at the last day. Wow. <laughs> Jesus cannot lose me. He is the shepherd. I am his sheep. Praise God. He says, even when, then, when one gets lost, he leaves the 99 to go and get that one. Look at John chapter 10, verses 28. He says, uh, John chapter 10, verses 28, he says, um, My father, he says, My sheep hear my voice, verse 27, and I know them, and they follow me. Then he says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Wow, what a promise. Then he says, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. No, in fact, the word man there is in italics, which means it was added. You can say any man or anything. So tell me, what is this that is more powerful than Jesus? Who is this or what is this that is so powerful that can come and you know, take Jesus by the collar and tell him, give up Patrick who is in your hand. Give up Stacy who is in your hand. Give up John who is in your hand. He says, they shall never perish, neither shall anything or anyone pluck them out of my hand. I love these promises. He says, my father who gave them me to the me is greater than all. He is greater than the devil. He is greater than sin, than everything, than the allures of the world. He says, no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. 
of my father's hand. And then he says, I and the father are one. Who is this that is so powerful? <laughs> I'm trying to think that first of all will can get through Jesus, then get after, after past God. You know, in Colossians chapter 3, it says, if you then be risen with Christ, what is the qualification to be risen with Christ? You're born again. It says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is at the right hand of God. And he says, set your affections on things above, which is your, your mind, not on things which are on earth. Then he says, for you are dead. Your life is hid with Christ and in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Who is this that is so powerful that is able to defeat? So whatever it is or whoever it is that wants to take me out of my salvation, first of all, they have to defeat Jesus. Then if they are able to, which I 100% I, 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 I doubt they are able to, they have to get through the Father. Then if they get through the Father, they have to get through the Holy Ghost because I am his temple. Then if they get through the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that his angel, the angel of the Lord, encamps around about them that fear him and he delivers them. And it also says that there's an innumerable company of angels. <laughs> it also says that there are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us who are heirs of salvation. So you have to get through the angels of God. You have to get through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before you get to me. Whatever is out there in the world or whoever it is or whatever demon. And notice First John 4, 4, you have already overcome them. My friend, you know that the devil was defeated 2,000 years ago? Do you know in Luke chapter 10 verse 19, he told his disciples, this is before the cross, how much more we who are on this other side of the cross, on the finished work. He says, I've given you power. He says, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He says, and now I've given you power to tread over Satan, over every scorpion and serpent, and over every power of the enemy. He says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus who began your work, this work in you, he shall perform it. If the emphasis is on you to maintain your salvation, you will have a lot of stress and depression. But if the emphasis is on Jesus, who never fails, you can hold him accountable. You can tell him, Lord, you said it in, look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8. It says, uh, who shall confirm you? Who? The Lord Jesus shall confirm you to the end. He will confirm you to the end. Such so will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 9. God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Some of you listening to this, you have just received a deliverance. Your mind has been changed. And now you realize the emphasis is on Jesus. The focus was on me. That's why I was thinking I could lose it. And I want to finish finally. One of the most powerful scripture verses in the Bible. Let me read it. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8, verses 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? They said, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No! Or the King James says, Nay, that is Shakespeare English. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Not conquerors, more than conquerors through him that loved us. He loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins. He loves me enough to keep me until the day I see him again, whether it's through the rapture or the day I die. Praise God. Whether I die at the age of 30, 50, or 90. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, he says, I am fully convinced that neither death nor life 
no angels, no principalities, those powerful demons that people are talking about, which, by the way, are underneath our feet because we are in Christ. He is the head, we are the body, and members in particular. Praise God. Neither, he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors. For I'm persuaded, neither death, nor life, no angels, no principalities, no powers, no things present, no things to come. I don't know what's going to happen to me next week or next month or next year or, or 50 years or 70, 90 years from now. I don't know. But not even things to come. He says, no height, no depth. You know, he said, the psalmist said, whither shall I feel from thy presence? If I go into heaven, you're there. If I go down to the pits of hell, you shall be there with me. When I'm down in depression, in sickness, he's still there with me. He says, so neither head, neither what is up above, nor what is, be, is below, beneath me. It says, no any other creature shall be or can be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So look to Jesus. Focus your eyes on him. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. And I want to pray with you right now, whoever is watching, you are not born again, not assured of your salvation. The Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus of Nazareth, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. You don't have to perish in sin. You don't have to go to hell. There is a hell to shun, my friend, and a heaven to gain. Say that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can be assured of eternity in heaven. You can be assured of eternity. What is eternity? To know the only true God. That is eternal life. And Jesus Christ whom he has sent. In Romans chapter 10, what is the qualification for salvation? It is so simple. Romans chapter 10, he says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession shall be made unto salvation. Then he says, for, who, for the scripture says, whosoever, anyone, I don't care if you're a prostitute, if you're a drug dealer, if you're a murderer, I don't care if you're young, if you're old, whatever race, tribe, creed, gender you are. It says, for whosoever shall call upon him shall not be ashamed. Then he says, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I know that I am a sinner, but I believe that you shed your blood on that cross 2,000 years ago so that I could be saved. And right now I accept your love. I turn to you. I repent of all my sins. And I receive you now as my Savior. I believe that you died on the cross. That you rose after three days for my sins. And I accept you personally as my Savior and my Lord. And right now I am saved. Amen. My friend, the Bible says, you who has prayed with me right now, the Bible says is rejoicing in heaven. Praise God. In Ephesians 1 verse 13 it says that after you believed in Jesus, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Permanently marked, not even a tattoo. You know, a seal is different from a tattoo. If you are sealed, can you be unsealed? You cannot be unsealed. So you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Those of you who are watching and you need uh, discipleship material, I have a book I've written for newborn believers. Uh, you can send me uh, a message to my inbox or to my email address. I'll be glad, I'll be glad to give it to you for free. So thank you for watching. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the one who has just gotten saved. The one who has just received a deliverance. Their mind has been changed. Now they know that you who has begun a good work in them shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I pray your grace upon their life in Jesus' name. And every spirit of fear 
fear of losing salvation, fear of committing the unpardonable sin, fear of falling into sin, I rebuke it out of your life in Jesus' name. And I want you to say this with me right now. Say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Say, Father, I thank you that your perfect love has cast out all fear in me. King David said in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, he said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. Praise God. We already have the victory. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, we are seated in with him right now. I, as I'm talking to you, Patrick Mayo, I am seated in heavenly places in Christ. I have already entered into his rest. Praise the Lord. And you can too. And I believe you have to. Believe it. Find all these scriptures. They are all over the New Testament. Scriptures on how God will preserve you, how he will sustain you, how he will walk with you. Remember, if the emphasis is on you, you will have a lot of stress. But if the focus is on the finished work of Jesus, you will not fail, neither will you fall. Praise God. Thank you for watching. Share this. I have searched many years on end. There was none that my soul could depend. My soul cries out for your presence in here. Yeah.